You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Good morning, church. Hope everybody's doing well. Hey, I just want to echo what Pastor Marty has said the last couple weeks right out of the gate and just say, I absolutely love charity. I love this place that God calls charity. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Tommy, and I have the privilege and honor of serving as one of your pastors here at Charity. If you don't know our story, my family and I came to Charity a little over six years ago. Uh, I just stepped away from an amazing ministry that God allowed me to be a part of for several years. And God was blessing this ministry. It was in Lexington, North Carolina. It was thriving. The church was growing beyond our wildest imagination. But we were in a season of life where my grown daughters now were teenagers, right? They were interested in these things called boys. And um, I could not effectively lead a church that size without the proper support team and staff. And so I I said, you know, they're going to have a man in their life. I prefer it be me instead of some hormone-riddled teenage boy. And so we made one of the hardest, most painful decisions we ever have in our life, and that is to step away from that ministry, not knowing what God was going to lead us to. And so after we found uh, another uh, guy who was able to step in, who was in a different season of life with not raising kids, we made that decision. Now, to give you a little background, for for several years, our oldest daughter, Denise, had been asking if we could visit this church in Kannapolis called Charity. And time and time again, I was having a conversation with her, and I would say, babe, your dad teaches every single Sunday. He works on Sunday mornings. We can't just go around visiting other churches. You understand that? And so I had an easy excuse. Well, without missing a beat... After we made the decision to step away, she immediately said, hey, Dad, can we go visit this place called Charity? And now she knew I didn't have an excuse. And I was like, oh, yes, we will. But if I'm being completely honest with you, the first week that we came here, I was in a bad headspace. I was questioning every decision I had made, and I was hurting. I was hurting bad at a a totally different level questioning the decisions I made, wondering if God was ever going to allow me to be in ministry again, didn't know what the future held. Well, we thought we were doing good. We thought we came early, but we weren't early. We were late and ended up having to park all the way down at the bottom of the back parking lot behind the field. And I thought, man, there's a lot of people at this church. But parking at the bottom of the parking lot did not help my headspace. I was irritated put the car in park, open the door and look up and there's a golf cart with one of our first impression team members. And I thought, that's pretty cool. And it made a pretty good first impression on me. He said, you guys want to ride up to the church? I said, yeah, we'll ride. My girls thought that was the coolest thing ever. They got to hang on the back of the golf cart. Leah and I sat up front. We came in. So that wall started tearing down. We sat right over here. And from the golf cart first impression experience to the amazing worship through this worship team, through the teaching of Pastor Marty, something began to happen. And Leah and I are sitting right over there about halfway through the service. Both of us were just crying, looking at each other like, what is happening right now? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know either. But immediately from week one, 
this place became a place of healing for me and my family. And so when I say I love charity, I mean I love this group of dysfunctional misfits that God has put together known as charity. I love it. And I hope you guys are excited about this series that we're in. I love charity. It's not just about charity here in Kannapolis, but truly about the Big C Church and how can we get the most out of this opportunity that God has given us to be his body, to be the church. And I know I'm a little biased. I love the local church, not just charity, but I love any gospel preaching, Bible teaching, truth-seeking church out there, and I want us all to get it right. And so I hope you geek out about this series as much as I do. The reason I love the local church so much is what Pastor Marty said last week. If you'll remember, he said, in order to accomplish his work of salvation on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood. Big word salvation. It simply means to be saved, to be able to be in a personal relationship with a holy God who is set apart. That is only available through the sacrifice that Jesus made, through his perfect life, death, burial, resurrection that he did for you and me. On the cross, he took the sins upon this world, your sins, my sins, and he took them with him to the cross and he paid a debt that we could never pay. He died, he was buried on the third day in all his glory. He walked out of the tomb proven he is who he says he is and he can do all he said he would do. That's the work of salvation. But then Pastor Marty went on. That's, that's hard to read right there. I need some help, team. Hi, this is why I love the church. He says, in order to accomplish his work of evangelism today, Jesus has made a body of you and me. And this body of believers is what is known as the church. The church is not this gorgeous building. The church is not these walls that we're in right now. The church is alive and active. The church is you and it's me. And Jesus has invited us to be a part of something so much bigger than any of ourselves. He's invited us to be a part of his perfect plan to evangelize, to point people to Jesus, to put his name on display, and we get to be a part of that. And quite frankly, I can't think of anything cooler than that. And so in week one, this is week three of this series, week one, Pastor Marty talked about unity and community. Last week, he talked about serving and why serving is so important to, to be a part, you know, step outside of yourself, to give of yourself. So it's not all about you. And so I've been loving the first two weeks, but I've been thinking about a question that he asked in the first week. And to, to wrap up his message week one, he asked the question, how will you get the most out of this community? How will you get the most out of this community? And today, I wanna answer that question. Because we believe here at Charity, there is a way to get the most out of this community. And the answer is life groups. I know what you're thinking. You're like, of course you're going to say life groups. You're the life groups pastor. I know, I know. Maybe there are people here right now who think, there is no way that I would be a part of a life group. I don't even know what it is, but I'm not interested. And I just want to tell you, you're my people. 
because I used to feel the exact same way. I didn't know what a life group was, but one of my good friends, he's still my friend to this day, he was my pastor at the time, John Allen, and he, he kept asking me week in and week out, every single week, hey, Tommy, I want you to come be a part of my life group. And I'm like, bro, I, I, I'm not interested. Truly, I'm not interested. I didn't know what one was. I just thought for me, the idea of spending a, a, a night during the week hanging out with a weird group of church people that I didn't know, possibly at the end holding hands singing Kumbaya, that sounded like a terrible way to spend an evening to me. But he was relentless. He would not quit asking. And so finally, I made a deal with him. I said, listen, if I just agree to come to your group one time, will you please stop asking me? And he said, deal. And I'm so grateful he never stopped because I did go and my life will never be the same. God used that first life group that I was a part of to radically change my faith. And friends, there's a reason that every staff member here at church is a part of a life group. Some of us are part of several life groups that meet throughout the week. And the reason is because we believe it's the greatest avenue for personal spiritual growth is in a life group. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, the primary activity of the church is to one another, each other. That's such an Andy Stanley quote. But I love that quote. The primary activity of the church is to one another, each other. And here's what I know. It's impossible to one another, each other in isolation. It's impossible to one another, each other in isolation. And the Christian walk was never meant to be one that was walked alone. In fact, isolation is one of the deadliest things for Christian spiritual maturity in someone's life. You, your faith begins to shrink. It begins to atrophy in isolation. And it's not just true in the Christian faith. We see the impact of isolation in every area of our lives. We've, we've felt the impact over the last few years. Over the last few years, we're coming out of a pandemic right now. And other than the virus itself, probably the worst part of the pandemic was the impact on isolation that people had. Not being able to be in fellowship and community with one another. You look at some of the statistics and it is scary the impact that it's had. But we should not be surprised by this. After all, if you were brand new to church, if you did never opened up a Bible and you said, you know what, I'm going to start reading the Bible. And I don't know anything about it, so I'm going to do like any other book. I'm just going to start at the beginning. And you started reading. In the very first book in the Bible, in just the second chapter, God makes this statement. God says, it is not good that the man should be alone. In just chapter 2. Now, what's interesting about this is I was thinking about this this, this week. When God made that statement... That's the only thing that he created that he said was not good. Everything else he said was good. And he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And what's interesting is when he made that statement, sin had not entered the world. The fall had not happened. Everything in the garden was perfect. Adam was in fellowship with God, and yet he still said, it's not good for you and I to be alone. But this makes sense because you and I were created in the image of God. And we serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is in perfect community with himself. One God, three persons. And if we were created in his image, then that means that we were literally created to be in community with one another. And isolation 
is deadly. It's deadly. So it's not good for us to be alone. That phrase, one another, it appears in the New Testament over 50 times. How we are supposed to live out our Christian faith, one anothering each other. Over 50 times, and one of those is found in the book of Hebrews. We touched on this week one, but the author of Hebrews writes this on how we're supposed to love one another. And let us consider how to stir up one another. Again, you can't stir up somebody else in isolation. And we're to stir each other up in love and good works. Love. The Christian life literally is a life marked by love. Jesus said, this is how people will know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. And so stir each other up in love. And then stir each other up in good works, not in a, an attempt to gain faith, but a result of your faith. The Christian faith is a faith of action. It's a faith of action, putting love on display, pointing people to Jesus. And how do we do that? We do that by not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. But when we meet together, we are to encourage one another. I love that word he used, encouraging. Encouraging one another all the more as the day, as you see the day drawing near. The day drawing near, Jesus' return, to which I say, come Lord Jesus, come. But I love that word, encouraging. It literally means to instill courage in someone. And we are to instill courage in each other to love and good works. And we need courage. You need courage to live out your Christian faith. It takes courage to live out your Christian faith in school. It takes courage to live out your Christian faith at work or with your friends, even at home with your family. It takes courage to live out your Christian faith at the gym. It would be much easier just to kind of just slip into the masses, go with the flow, and be unnoticed. But our faith is a faith of action, and it takes courage. And so we are to do that and steal that in one another. And so I love getting together in here on Sunday mornings. I love it. It, it just energizes me so much. There's something powerful about God's people singing together. Whether you can sing good like me or not. I don't care what Pastor Marty says. Like, can I just tell y'all something real quick? I mean, he roasted me last week, and I didn't even know he was going to do that. So then this week, I go for my weekly audition with Sean. I was on my way to his office when he said, shut my door. He didn't even give me a chance. So I'm going to take this opportunity right now. I dreamed I went to heaven. Some of y'all know this song, sing it with me. And you were there with me. Come on, it's your favorite. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. Did I make it? Oh, gosh, okay. All right. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll be here all day. I'll be here all day. It's amazing. Whew. That's dry mouth is all that was. Nope. All right. Well, anyway, I love being here together, worshiping corporately. I love sitting under uh, the teaching of Pastor Marty. And can I just say we are blessed to sit under the teaching of Pastor Marty every week? I, he is brilliant. 
and he teaches the truth and he shares the gospel every single week. So don't take that for granted. And so encouraging happens here. I saw a quote this week. I was reading an article and it said, if Sunday mornings are for listening, then the rest of the week is for living out your faith. And I love that. If Sunday mornings are for listening, which they are, then the rest of the week is for living out our faith. And that's why we need to instill courage in one another. And that quote was kind of on the money, according to what the Apostle Paul said to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. If you've ever wondered, what is the purpose of the church? Why do we gather corporately? You know our mission statement is to lead people to know Christ and to grow. But Paul lays out what the purpose is. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. He, he puts people in these positions for a reason. The reason to equip the saints, that's you and me, for the work of ministry. And what is the work of ministry? Building up the body of Christ. And so that's literally the point of coming in here on Sunday mornings coming in here on Wednesday nights, is to be equipped to then go and be the body, to go and be the church on display, building up the body of Christ. And so obviously equipping happens here on Sunday mornings, but it also happens in our life groups. And we believe here at Charity that equipping actually happens better in circles rather than rows. And that's why life groups are so important. And if you look at the very first church, you can turn to Acts chapter 2 if you brought your Bibles. You're going to see a picture of the very first church. Some people ask the question, is this descriptive of the first church or prescriptive? To which I say, yes, it's both and. It describes the very first church, but it also lays out the plan of how we should do church as well. And we're going to see how important life groups were and in this short passage of Scripture, we're going to learn five things that a healthy life group is devoted to. It says, and they, the church, you and me, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, I love this, you notice this word. It doesn't say in some who believed, only like the, the varsity level team of the church who believed. It says all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, corporate worship and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And I love this result. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Can I tell you, that's what we want to see here at Charity. That's what we want to see at every single God-fearing, gospel-preaching, truth-teaching church is we want to see God adding to their numbers day by day those who are being saved. And so we can see five things in these verses that a healthy life group devotes themselves to and what you can expect from your life group here at Charity. The first thing is that life groups are devoted to studying God's word with one another. 
They're devoted to studying God's word. It says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching was the studying of God's word. And that's something that is crucial in any life group here in charity, at charity. Life groups are an amazing place to ask questions and together to get answers. All right? I, I'm sure that there are times when Pastor Marty's up here teaching or I'm up here, Grant, Fisher, Jacob, one of the teaching pastors is up here teaching, and I'm sure that you'd love to just raise your hand and say, can you hold on a second? and explain that text you were just talking about a little bit more, or ask a question about something we just said, but can we be honest, that would be a little weird, right? If you just interrupted a Sunday morning service, because Sunday mornings are a monologue. What happens in a life group is a dialogue, and there's a huge difference. It is a conversation, right? And so learning scriptures together, learning scriptures together always helps when you have multiple eyes looking at scripture. I can tell you for me personally, I've always loved scripture. I've always loved reading it, learning about it, sitting under good sound teaching. I've always enjoyed that, even when I kind of went off my rockers when I was younger. I still love that. But my love for scripture and my understanding of scripture went from what I like to say addition to multiplication when I got plugged into a life group. Because the reality is we all have our own backgrounds which form our own biases and a lens in which we look at Scripture. And when you have multiple eyes looking at it, it helps you uncover and interpret the truth of what it says. And so life groups are devoted to studying God's Word with one another, first and foremost. But life groups are devoted to practicing how to love one another. Again, it's so important that we know how to love one another. Jesus says that's how people will know you're my disciple is how you love one another. So life groups are devoted to practicing how to love one another. It says, and they were devoted to fellowship. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Maybe you're familiar with the pastor, Rick Warren. He's the pastor out in California, Saddleback Church. And I love a quote that he says. He says, life groups are a laboratory for learning how to love. Life groups are the laboratory of the church for learning how to love. That's so good. And when you think about how are you gonna learn how to love like Christ and how he calls us to love unless you surround yourself with other people who are practicing that kind of love. They're laboratories for learning how to love. And it's so important, again, This is how Jesus says that people will know we're his disciples, not by our church attendance, which is important, not by how much we give, not by anything. Jesus says, they will know you're my disciples if you love by how you love one another. The early church that we read about here in Acts were committed to loving one another through the highs and the lows of life. And they were committed to serving one another. And this is the same type of behavior that you will develop in a life group. Third, life groups are devoted to pray with and for one another. They're devoted to pray with and for one another. Did I skip something? Yeah, 
I did. Actually, it's not on here. So the third thing is life groups are devoted to eating. I, I'm not going to miss my favorite part of life group. I forgot to make a slide. Sorry. But you need to know that life groups are devoted to eating with one another. Verse 42 and 46 says, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. One of the best parts about life group is that you eat together. And if you are anything like me, you're a foodie and you love to eat. I've always said that the fastest way to my heart is through my stomach. Can I get a witness? Y'all too. I like it. But that's one of the coolest parts about life group is you eat together. And this is important. The early church, it says they, they broke bread together. So they were committed to eating with one another. And it's very important, but not just the early church and their life groups. Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, a lot of his teaching was done around food. And I believe that's intentional because there's something powerful that happens when we eat together. When we eat together the way they say to eat together with glad and generous hearts. Walls that you have built up in your life start coming down. Tensions that you walk into group with, maybe through a hard week at work, they start to subside. And there's something powerful when you eat with glad and generous hearts. Genuine, deep relationships begin to form. And we see that here in this first group. So here at Charity, healthy life groups devote themselves to eating good food. Here you go. They're also devoted to prayer, to pray with and for one another. It says they devoted themselves to prayer, right? This is the prescription to how to do this. The first group we read about was devoted to praying for one another, and we should be too. There's something powerful about knowing someone is praying specifically for you. And also for that other person to know that you're praying for them as well. And that's what happens in our groups. Way too often, I've seen this way too often in years past, I did this. Have you ever just, you know, you told somebody, I'll be praying for you. Or you type on social media to look spiritual, praying for you, and then you never utter a prayer? Or is that just me? And I've wondered sometimes. People say, hey, I'm praying for you, Tommy. I'm thinking, did they actually? And so I committed years ago that if I tell somebody I'm praying for you, I'm going to pray for them right then. If we're in public, I'm going to pray for them right then, even if it's awkward. If I ever post on your, your social media praying for you, it means I had literally just finished praying for you. And you do it right then. And that happens in our life groups. You pray together right then. But you also pray for one another throughout the week because when you're doing life with people, life groups are communicating with one another throughout the week. And you're, you're, you're praying with, you're getting updates on what God is doing and how he's moving and you're celebrating with one another. And this is so important. And this strengthens your faith. And then finally, life groups are devoted to helping one another. I love this. Life groups are devoted to helping one another. It says in verse 45, it says, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, I, I could go on a soapbox right here, but I genuinely believe with all of my heart that if the church would step up and be the church that God has called us to be, 
we would not even need government programs to help people. They were willing to sell their possessions and their belongings and distributing them to anyone as they had need. And I just say, let's step up and be the church that we've been called to be. One of the greatest things about Life Group is that you are known and you are seen. And if you have something going on in your life, those in group with you are the first to know about it. And they help with the struggles. They bear your burden. And this is important. Apostle Paul writes to the church of Galatia. He says this. He says, bear one another's burdens. Is it really important to bear one another's burdens, Tommy? Well, he says, this is why. If you do, you fulfill the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine loving people like you wish they would love you. If, just think, what, what would I want in this situation? Man, I don't have the money to pay this bill. It would be amazing if somebody could step up and help me out. Oh, I'm in a position where I can do that. And I see a brother or sister in need. And I'm going to love them the way I wish somebody would love me. This is what Jesus is talking about. And remember, he warned, if you see a brother and sister in need, and you're like, oh, man, that really blows. Hey, you're cold and you're hungry? Okay, then. Hey, stay warm and hope you get some food. And you go on your way. Jesus says, what is that? He says, no, you want to fulfill the law of Christ? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what happens in our life groups. Because here at Charity, our life groups are our front lines of ministry. They are the front lines of ministry. I know I speak for Pastor Marty and Sean and Saul and every single person on staff when I say, we wish more than anything that we could effectively minister to every single person in this church as soon as there's a need. Man, we wish we could effectively. But in a church this size, I don't know how realistic that is if we're also going to minister to our families. But we're going to do the best we can. But our life groups are the front line of ministry. One of the coolest things that happens is when Pastor Marty or I go to a hospital to visit somebody, we open up the hospital room and we walk in and there's life group members just sitting around hanging out with the person. I'm like, let's go. They found out about it before we did. They beat us to the hospital. Or you walk in and you see flowers and cards and you're like, where'd these come from? My life group, they just left here. Wow. One of my favorite things to do is if I'm up here teaching or if I'm just doing the welcome is looking around the auditorium and seeing life groups sitting together. This is why we say all the time that the bigger we get as a church and we want for people to come here as it did to the first church, that God week in, week out will add to our numbers day by day those who are being saved. So we want this church to be overflowing, but the bigger we get, the smaller we've got to get at the exact same time. The bigger we get, the smaller we have to get at the same time. And life groups are our front line of ministry. When you see somebody in need, you meet the need. The people in your life group, so many times, they go from acquaintances to true friends and from friends to what feels like family. 
Man, that first life group that we were a part of, we called ourselves the 2 a.m. life group. And the reason we said that is because if something's going on at 2 a.m., you pick up the phone and you call somebody. And then we experienced this. Something happened to one lady in our group. Leah and I got in our car. It was almost 2 in the morning. Leah's still up chilling. She's like a night owl. Man, I was not up chilling. I was in deep sleep. That phone rang. We go, and we're sitting there loving on this lady. And would you know, within 10 minutes, every single member of that life group was at that lady's house at 2 o'clock in the morning. That same group, we moved here from Greensboro 15 years ago. And shortly after we moved here, we got plugged into that life group. And shortly after that, my grandmother passed away. She was from Burlington, which is on the other side of Greensboro. And so the funeral and everything was in Burlington. So we went to Burlington. Would you know that of my friends in Greensboro, not one came to that funeral? But we were sitting there, and I looked up, and 100% of our life group peeps from here made the journey to Burlington and were there to bear that burden with us. It's a different kind of friendship. It's not superficial. When you literally do life with each other, it changes things. And this is the way that God designed it. In a book, Transformational Groups, it says this, God has supernaturally ordained community to sanctify his people. Now, we say here at Charity all the time, we're here to lead people to know Christ and to grow. To grow in their relationship with Christ is to be sanctified. Sanctification is a lifelong process. It is you growing with Christ. This happens best in our groups. And so the way we fulfill our mission statement here at Charity is being a part of a group. We believe this happens best in circles, like I said. It happens best in circles, face-to-face in circles, better than, it's more effective than looking at the back of somebody's head in a row. That is genuine community. Life groups are our life support system here at Charity. They're the life support system. Not only when life is good, but when life is full of pain and trials and tragedy. And if you've lived life long enough, you know that's part of life. They're support systems to help you fight when you're too tired to fight for yourself. It's the life support system that will help you find the strength to take, take a step of faith that God's calling you to. And it's the system that's going to be there to celebrate with you when you take that step of faith. It's the life support system that keeps you motivated to run the race well that God has marked before you and to finish well. And so my question today is, are you in a group? I have a couple questions for you to consider this morning. Would you be willing to take a step of faith and join a group or be willing to lead a group? If I'm being completely honest with you, this right here, joining a group is not so much an issue here at Charity. I get contacted multiple times every single week. The problem is having a place to put people. In order to have a place to put people, we need people willing to step up and lead a group. I'm looking at Richard Dawson right there, who is part, one of the leaders of our men's group, who said, I never thought I'd be leading the life group. Scared to death, 
took a step of faith, and God is moving in mighty ways. We have a saying all the time, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. If you take that step of faith, I promise he will equip you. I'll come alongside of you and partner with you. If you want to teach God's word, which will be a part of every group, if you're more interested in just facilitating, if you need curriculum, we're here to help you with that. But would you be willing to do so? If not, what's keeping you from doing so? For those of you in a group, I'd love for you to discuss with one another how you've personally grown in your walk with God through life group. How has it impacted you personally? And which of the five devotions do you need most in your life? Studying his word together, practicing love, breaking bread with one another, can I get a witness? Praying together, or just learning how to see a need and meet a need by helping somebody. And then I just love for you to discuss with your group or think about the rest of the day of a time in your life, and we all have these times, when having a support system would have made a huge difference in your life. If you're not in a group, I promise you're missing out on one of the greatest parts of charity. Lord, we love you. I thank you personally, Lord, how you've used life groups to radically change my life. God, there's no telling where I'd be if I stayed stubborn in my ways and kept saying no. But God, thank you for that biblical community wrapping their arms around me, wrapping their arms around Leah, and that process radically changing our lives. God, thank you for those in this room who are part of healthy life groups here at Charity. Now, I hear stories every single week about the life change that comes from those groups. God, I pray for the person here who's never wanted to be a part of something like that, that God, you'll break down those walls, that they'd be willing to take that step of faith. And God, for those in this room who they've been a part of a group for a long time and they feel you nudging them to, to step up and lead, God, I pray that you'll give them the courage to do that. So Lord, I pray that every single person in this room leaves different today, challenged today, but not just simply to be hearers of your word, but be doers of it, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.